When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show for the final time in this World Cup. It is your post-game review. I am Jack Collins and I'm joined by the wonderful Mr. Rich Amofa to talk about the fact that Argentina are once again champions of the world. Rich, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm drained, I'm exhausted, but in a good way. You know, I think we, we, what we've witnessed has, has been something special. Um it's great. It's, a, it's just a privilege to, to just enjoy the game, you know. It's just amazing, amazing. I'm feeling great. How are you? Yeah, I'm incredibly emotional. Um, I think there was an element of this that that was maybe the final to end all finals in mm. so many ways. And it toyed with us and it played with us. And in so many ways, it was the best of exactly what international football is about. The highest stakes at the highest level and the amount of emotion going on in the game. It got to that point where it was like I felt sick. I felt like I couldn't breathe. You know, it's like and I'm just, I'm just not Argentinian. You know exactly. what I mean? It's like, it's like well, exactly. This is it. So <laughs> one of those games where it just had absolutely everything. But uh, Lionel Messi finally has closed his international chapters. You'd imagine with the greatest trophy of them all. I mean, it's just a great story. It's the it's a great way to to cap off what's been a, an amazing career. You know, obviously, all, all of the talk before the game was about him, and he produced in the game. You know, he, he got he got the goals. He he stood up when you know stood up to be counted. It's just that France would just not die. They and it's what they've done all tournament. Yeah. I mean, they look like they've been dead and out of it. They've just come with a quick combo and have stayed in it. it it's, it's been incredible. And you know, sometimes they say with penalties, it's like, oh, you know. This is, is, is not right. Not the best way to decide the game. But I think in this situation, in this occasion, it was the, it was the fitting way because someone had to win that game. And I, I, you know, it's just as I say for Messi to end his international career in this way is just just fantastic for him. Yeah, I mean, like what a game! I think is the, is the kind of point we're at at this point. You know, it's not necessarily the whole. You know, yes, there's all these narratives. Yes, there's all these emotions around it all. But actually, you know, the other thing is just the fact that we have just witnessed the most incredible game of football that had all the twists and turns. And actually, the weird part about it is for 70 minutes, it didn't look like it was going to be a classic. <laughs> and then, you know, we got the last 20 minutes, which were mayhem, and then 30 minutes of extra time, which are incredible. So mm. we've had 50 minutes of one of the great finals. It just took more than half the game to burst into yeah. light. I mean, when when, when Argentina went in 2-0 at half-time, I think most of us thought the game would, would be over. I mean, obviously, I spoke about France earlier and them coming back, but I just thought in, in this situation, this occasion... No, Argentina have, have had two goalies before, and they've you know they've let them slip, and they thought no, not again. They're going to see the game out, and they look like they were doing a great job. And even when the second half started, they they looked very much in control. France still looked devoid of ideas, and I think even up to the 65th, 70, or just before their goal, I mean they didn't have a shot on target, didn't have a shot on goal. 
up to that point, really. Um, they weren't in the game at all. They looked miles off the pace, whether that's due to the illnesses or or whatnot. But as you say, from the 70th minute onwards, it was just go, 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 and literally bang, bang, bang. And it was non-stop. And both sides served up what was just a fantastic feast of football. As I said at the beginning, it was just it's a privilege and an honour to, to watch the, these great players in action. It really was. Yeah, it, it was. Those. And, and look, sometimes I think you get to finals and the big names don't deliver on the hype, right? You know, you actually look, go back down the line of finals and how many of them have been decided by the key player. Obviously, the, the one that springs to mind, you know, as the last one that was fully and completely decided by the good actions of the, the main man going into it was Ronaldo R9 in, in 2002. You know, you're going back 20 years yeah. and another South American winner to, yeah. to kind of see a final that produced the narrative arcs that people were talking about before the game. And, you know, we did talk about Messi and Mbappe and, you know, there was questions about whether Antoine Griezmann was actually going to be France's main man. It very much was Messi versus Mbappe today in so many ways. It really was. And I think that's what we wanted at the end of the day. You know, we can talk about refereeing decisions and, you know, throughout the tournament, it has been, there has been a, a number of really interesting decisions, <laughs> to, to put fairly. And that was my only fear coming into the game that, the game would be decided maybe on a dodgy refereeing decision or, or something of, of that ilk. So for it to be, for us to see and witness just quality throughout the game, the main men coming to the fore, Messi getting his goals, Mbappe with his hat-trick, being the first to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final since the first in 1966. I mean, all, all of that, that's what especially, you know, I think Wally Lugaki said something really interesting uh, when they got knocked um, after the game yesterday. When he said, you know, football allows you to dream, especially, you know, with young children and things like that. And, you know, for any youngster watching that, you'll, you'll think, you know, you want your the top players to perform and it's amazing. But it also makes us, you know, so I say us oldies, we're not old yet, but it makes us feel young again. It gives us that that verve and exuberance to be like, yeah, you know, these are the top men on the stage and they're producing. And, and this is what we're going to be talking about for the next for, well, for the next four years until the next World Cup. It just gives you so much enthusiasm, so much hope that the, that the big men, the main men, come to the fore and, and produce on the highest stage. Just fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I think, look, there have been plenty of things about this World Cup that, that have been, you know, that we haven't liked, you know, especially in terms of off the field issues. Um, but on the field, generally, I think it, it's been a wonderful tournament in terms of quality. And it's just one of those, you know, obviously when international breaks come around, you see people going, oh, you know, we're getting a break in the, in the Premier League, in Serie A, in La Liga, you know, whichever is your league of choice. Um, you know, the, people go, I, I'm not sure I want this. And, and it always reminds me that you get back to international football. And, and for me, it remains the pure form of the sport you know this is mm -hmm. actually what it all comes down to and and yes obviously it's nowhere near as pure as perhaps it once was and, and we're never going to get that back unfortunately that kind of childish innocence to the international mm -hmm. game but i think compared to league football and domestic football there is just still that overwhelming emotion around international football that maybe you don't quite get everywhere else no, and I think that's because, you know, as you say, these tournaments come around, you know, don't come around very often. Obviously, you've got your um, Euros or your kind of continental tournaments, you know, every two years and you've got the World Cup every four years. Um, and so, again, these are the moments to savour, you know, these, these are the best players from your country representing your country on, on the biggest stage and I think that just gives you something to get behind you know of, of course we all have our club loyalties and and things like that but it's, it's something special about international football and I think it is bringing it to the forefront again because as you rightly say there was a time where you know people looked at international football and were like oh you know this is a bit of a drag it's not very fun it's, you know teams just defending deep and we're not seeing much action but I think in this tournament I think everyone's gone for it maybe it is due to the winter tournament and players coming into it kind of not hitting their peak but you know with 
with, with good fitness oh, and ready to hit the ground running. Um, and as you've seen, we've just seen so much intensity, so much drama, teams going right to the end. And yeah, it's, it's been great to see. Um, of course, you, uh, off the field issues, you know, we've, we've had to speak about them. And I think the Athletic have done a great job in highlighting them, not just before the tournament, but but throughout the tournament, even until until this morning, there were stories uh, about the off-field issues, which is really important to highlight. But on the pitch, the action has just been incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got to shout, make some shouts out to, to the managers here because mm-hmm. there was a couple of good decisions and a couple of bad decisions. And I think we can kind of work our way through them. I thought mm-hmm. Scaloni's initial pick of, of bringing Di Maria back into the side was a masterstroke in, in so many ways. And actually playing him on that left-hand side, we didn't, haven't seen him play that much there in this tournament. We haven't seen him play that much full stop in this tournament. But when he's played, he's often actually played on the right. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's an element of Di Maria that when he is on the left, he gives this forward line a real nice sense of balance. It allows Messi to drift. Um, and today I thought that worked to perfection. The kind of flip side to this is when he brought Di Maria off, if Argentina hadn't won this World Cup, I think we'd be looking at that and going, that's the moment it all went wrong for mm. Lionel Scaloni mm-hmm. and Argentina. Yeah, I mean, I was before coming into the game, I said that, you know, if Argentina set up as a 4-4-2 that they did in the semi-final, they'd go a long way to winning the game because just keeping the midfield compact, again, if, you know, filling the pitch with central midfielders, Denying that space for um, Antoine Griezmann to, to kind of wreak havoc as he has done in previous games, I think was really good from uh, from Scaloni. And, as, and, and keeping Di Maria wide on that left and really stretching the play, when Argentina were on the ball, it allowed them to, as you say, stretch the play and allow the likes of Messi um, and, and even Alvarez to, to, you know, Messi can find those gaps, as we know, and Alvarez starts to play going forward and pushing the defence back. And I think Argentina really had joined that central area because they outnumbered France there with the 4-4-2. And then Di Maria 1v1 with Kunde and having him isolated against him. I mean, it was Di Maria was, was the overwhelming winner there. So it was, it, was, it was a real kind of masterstroke initially for Argentina. And as I say, until the point where they took him off, they really controlled the game. And as you rightly say, when he did come off, things started to go awry for them and made you think, you know, why, you know, he wasn't carrying injuries, playing really well. Was still, he was still bombing up the pitch and creating chances that, you know, it, it was... It was a bit of a strange one. Um, and as you say, if they lost the game, we'd be asking questions. But um, it seems like a distant memory now. But I mean, for, from Di Maria's perspective, it was great to see him on the left. You know, that was the Di Maria of old, you know, I'd say 2014. Di Maria, where he was just direct, running at his fullback, having him isolated 1v1. He almost, you know, he rolled back the ears there. And it was a, it was a really good performance for him. Yeah, and a word for Didier Deschamps because he made an incredibly bold call to pull, you know, Olivier Giroud and Ousmane Dembele before half time. You know, that's that's pretty stones on the wall. You know, he's gone and, and gone right. I'm, I'm if I'm going to kind of live or die on my sword here. But his changes worked almost to perfection. I thought Kalimouani and Turan both were massive threats. They both had a hand in in the way that the goals were created for for mm-hmm. France across the course. And you know, making those changes is a bold move to bring off your you know second top scorer at the tournament to bring off one of the brightest one-on-one players in the entirety of world football in Usman Dembele and to chuck on relative inexperience I think in Colomani and and Turam especially at international level Mm. was very brave and it very nearly paid off for him. Sometimes you know you have to be bold and and decisive and what you know whatever France were doing initially just wasn't working. There's some things that, you know, sometimes, you know, in England, that's what Gareth Southgate gets criticised for, you know, not making changes quick enough to affect the game. So for the Shams to make those changes, again, just before half-time, they would have put a few noses out of joint. 
But it's something that he had to do. And in, in the semi-final, he made a, a good change by taking Drew off and moving Mbappe up front, bringing on Chalam again to help his fullback, uh, Tia Hernandez, who was really struggling. And again, we saw that today. You know, Chalam, OK, he had the quality going forward, but he's willing to to run back and, and support his fullback. And Colo Morani as well. I mean, what a great impact he's had in the, in the last couple of games. And there's someone who's riding a crest of a wave of confidence. And he came on and again, affected the game positively for France today. So credit to Deschamps for making those those uh, those those calls. You know, that's why he's he's got to back-to-back World Cup finals. It's not by mistake. It's not by accident. You know, you have to have a strong manager to make these calls. And, and he did that. And it was almost decisive, as you say, it wasn't for a few penalty kicks away. Um, you know, we'd be looking and saying, oh, Deschamps, what, what, what a fantastic manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one more word on France before we move back to Argentina mm. to close this off. But... Kylian Mbappe has dropped a hat trick in a World Cup final, as you said at the top, and ended up on the losing side. That is very, very rogue. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that you will probably never see again in our lifetimes. Right? A player scoring a hat trick in a World Cup <laughs> final and ending up on the on the losing side mm. is one of those you can't even fathom. He must be sitting there going, "Well, just what more could I've done? What, what, what do I do <laughs> exactly?" Um, I think it just goes in line with this tournament and just the, the crazy scenes and nonsensical things that have been happening from from day one. Uh, to, to to today really and again you know even up to the 70th minute you're looking at Mbappe and thinking you know are you what, where are you today you know it was, it was really you know, nullified well by Argentina um, you know they doubled up on him very well you know Rodrigo de Paul coming in to, to help his fullback every time Mbappe got the ball and he really struggled to find space even when he tried to drift inside off the line so but as I say from the 70th minute onwards he just came into his own and um, yeah he was the Mbappe that we all know and love and you know, as you say, he got a hat-trick and he almost very much got the um, an amazing fourth goal at the end when he took on a few players at the end. I was just thinking, if you had scored that, I, I don't know what I would have done. My laptop would have gone everywhere. I would have been crying more than what I am now because that would have been a fantastic goal. But um, again, like you said, you want your top players to perform at these top, top games on the highest stage, on the biggest stage. And Mbappe really came to the fore, especially after the 70th minute. Yeah, absolutely. Well, today belongs to Argentina and I'm sure there'll be plenty of tears contrary to the words of the popular song. But Emmy Martinez in a penalty shootout has come up big once again. And I, I think he is incredible at this. Now, obviously, if you're on the opposite side, you're going to dislike his antics. Reasonable mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are on the edge of what's acceptable and what's not. Mm-hmm. But I think Emmy Martinez is one of the best in the world in making a penalty shootout one on one. It's mm. not, you know, the crowd mm. and you against him. It's not your team and it's you versus him. Mm-hmm. And he is that kind of mentality monster. I imagine he he looks or imposes himself eight feet tall when he's standing there in the net and he's already, you know, trying to play mind games with you. And he's come up big again for Argentina yeah. in a shootout. Yeah, I mean, when, when you've got, um, you know, history and, and, and he's obviously set president in previous shootouts, of course it, it puts, um, you know, doubt in the, in the striker's mind. But again, as you rightly say, he finds a way to level it up, you know, to in, into almost fitting into his favour. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't like the the antics in terms of, especially for Tremaine's penalty when you know he held onto the ball and then threw it away. You know, I think the referee had to be stronger there because that's that's not right. But at the end of the day, you have to do what you have to do. You know, if that's if that's my goalkeeper, I'm saying do what you need to do: hold onto the ball, kick it away, sit on it. You know, just do anything to, to put the striker off, put the attacker off because the odds are against your favour. Um, and then you say he's, he's expert at doing that. He gets in the striker's minds and you say he pulled off, a, you know, 
save again today and, and was instrumental in his side winning winning the game. It also shout out to him for that save right at the death as well from Kola Mawani. I mean, that was an unbelievable save to get his leg out there. Uh, it's like one of the last kicks of the game. So, yeah, he, he's had a really good tournament. And as you say, you know, the first uh, Aston Villa player to, to win a World Cup, I think is incredible. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be parties in the streets of Birmingham tonight. I'm sure there'll be <laughs> plenty in the streets of Brighton as well. With of course, yeah, absolutely. Dropping a wonderful performance in <laughs> this final. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, I think, belongs to Lionel Messi. And, and I think that his team would be the first to admit that. You know, it's been one of those things. We talked about it during the tournament. You know, whereas Messi's reputation, I think, around the world is pretty stalwart. I think the, the kind of arguments about whether he's the greatest ever will rage on, you know, forever and a day. Um, I, I think this, for me, closes that case from, from from where I'm standing. I think it was probably closed before this tournament, mm-hmm. um, but I think this puts the gloss on the top of it. And But we've talked about the fact that actually the one place where maybe he's not actually regarded as the greatest ever is Argentina because uh, of the way that Maradona had inspired mm-hmm. the country to the World Cup. And I think he has now firmly placed himself alongside, you know, the late great Diego Maradona in the kind of pantheon of his country's heart. And and that for me was, I think, the most emotional bit about all of it. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that now Messi will be regarded within his own country mm-hmm. as up there alongside his idol. And, and that's an amazing thing for me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In terms of storylines and, and fairy tales, you know, this, this tops a lot. And I think what you're saying about him and his status within Argentina is really important because you say they've had, um, uh, you know, near misses in the Copa America in, in you know in 2010s and and things like that and as you say winning the Copa America last year was the real kind of catalyst and almost changing that mindset in Argentina but again there's always a the question can he win the World Cup can he drive his country lead his country to World Cup victory and as you say he's done that now and considering that and everything else he's done in a game you have to look at him and think you know you, he is the it's undisputed now. Um, I think it's hard to argue against it because, again, even this Argentina side, I wouldn't say it's great on paper. I wouldn't say it's great even, you know, with everything. But, again, they're able to play and be, you know, bigger than the sum of their parts. And with Messi just there, just sprinkling at the top, this is everything that he just brings to football. He's brought so much joy over the last 15, 16, 17 years. And for him to cap it off in this way, if, if I was him, I'd retire uh, tomorrow, to be honest. What more can he do? I'd retire, I'd retire today, Rich. Yeah. Literally, as soon as you lift the trophy, I say, I'm done. I'm no, done. You can't top this. Yeah. Pick up the trophy, sting the tension <laughs> over your back and, and, and walk off that, into the sunset. That's it. Um, so I imagine he might have something to say about uh, adding one more Champions League to the yeah, bag and true, perhaps one final Ballon d'Or as well, which very is obviously going to take place next summer. So we <laughs> shall see. Um, but on that note, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. Um, and all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much to Mr. Richard Moffat for joining me. It's been a real pleasure throughout this tournament, my friend. Yeah, Jack, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been great. Um, you a fantastic host. And what a tournament it's been. It's been a pleasure to chop it up with you about all the games really and uh yeah look forward to working with you again no absolutely i've uh, west london to the world from That's over it, here absolutely. thank you so much <laughs> for tuning in as ever everybody i've been jack collins this has been your final athletic soccer show post game review argentina are champions of the world and Lionel messi finally will host the jules remet trophy ahead of his well relatively small frame but gigantic stature within the game. Thank you for tuning in.